Welcome to the ARPA Animal Rescue of the Week podcast, featuring outstanding organizations around the country that are helping animals and the people who rescue them. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Dubert.com. Dubert is a free website designed to connect volunteers with rescues and shelters, and the only site that automates rescue relay transport. Let's meet this week's featured animal rescue. Lucky Dog Rescue started out as Dalmatian Station back in 2004 when Lisa was saving one dog at a time. Lisa started to notice the amount of adoptable dogs sitting in concrete cells at the county shelters and decided to change the name to Lucky Dog Rescue. They are now saving all breeds and are committed to giving dogs a second chance while helping owners with basic obedience training to help make a successful transition into their forever home. Relying solely on volunteers, donations, and foster homes, they are always looking for people to join their team. Today we'll be talking with Dee, an executive director with Lucky Dog Rescue. Well, hi Dee, and welcome to the show. Hi Rachel, welcome. I'm glad to be here. Good. Well, we're definitely happy to to have you here, and we're excited to learn a little bit more about Lucky Dog Rescue. Um, Why don't you tell us a little bit about the rescue and how you guys got started? Okay, well, Lucky Dog Rescue got started by my friend Lisa Maturo in 2004 as a strictly Dalmatian rescue. Back in 2004, there were a lot of Dalmatians everywhere, partly because of the movies and we saw them and we just wanted to help. And in 2005, we went to an all-breed rescue because every time we went to our county pounds, we couldn't stand to see all these other dogs to leave them behind. And in 2007, I took over as a full, as the director, as the executive director and uh, we've been going strong ever since. We serve uh, the Scottsdale area, which is in Metro Phoenix, Arizona, Maricopa County. It's a, um, it's a large, large area. And uh, we are a strictly foster-based organization and currently have 104 dogs in our care in 98 wow. different foster homes. Wow. So typically, it's one dog per foster home then. You said not, 98 to 104? Yeah, not always. We have some fosters. Okay. Um, we take in a lot of bonded pairs, so some fosters may have two. Um, we have some small dog fosters that have two or three little chihuahuas. You know, they're only three or four pounds. You know, if you take a couple of them together, they make one whole dog. Sure, um, <laughs> absolutely. And most of our fosters, of course, have dogs on their own. So we try to keep it to a certain maximum of dogs in the house. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. So do you guys mm-hmm. pull from the shelters in your area then? Or how? Yes, how come- we, we do. Well, we have two high kill shelters in the valley, and we have a um, humane society in the valley that we work with. But... Um, we have so many owner surrenders that we requested to take in. So our main intake comes from owner surrenders and we work with a very impoverished rescue out in Mexico and in New Mexico. Wow. Um, the Valley is fortunate that we have a lot of, a lot of rescues here and, uh, because of our rescue efforts, our euthanasia rate has gone down over the years. But uh, I have focused on helping street dogs in Mexico, which is pretty incredible. 
um, because it requires a huge network of people bringing them across the border. And New Mexico, especially Deming, New Mexico, is probably one of the poorest areas demographically in the nation right now. Um, it's on the, there's a big uh, reservation there and um, there's a ton of dogs. And it is so bad there, when a dog hits the shelter, they have three days to live no matter what. No matter if they're purebreds, puppies, three days, that's it. So we try to step in and, and help a lot there. That's pretty, that's pretty cool um, mm -hmm. that you partner with organizations uh, in Mexico. How did you guys, how did that relationship start? Well, that's really interesting um, because Lucky Dog Rescue has been around so long. You can imagine that I'm friends with a bunch of other rescue directors yeah. and we like to commiserate about how, how difficult it is sometimes. Yeah. And um, the Desert Lab Rescue here in the Valley has long been working with getting the purebred Labradors out of, out of Mexico. And they started um, getting the contacts down there and they get so overwhelmed that they just can't take all of them. None of us can help all the dogs. Yeah. So um, I started working with them. And then what we do is we get enough that we can fill a truck with six, seven, eight dogs and bring them to the valley. And we usually end up meeting a driver in Tucson, which is about an hour and a half drive from us. And it's probably two or three hours from the Mexican border. But as you can imagine, these dogs, it is not that easy to get them across the, across the border, especially if they're very sick um, because they're worried about it. So we have yeah. to make sure that they are somewhat vetted over in Mexico. And then we have snuck several of them over the border, but it, but it always works and it is, and it is so great. And, and uh, it's hysterical because we have to talk Spanish to the dogs, you know? Sure. Yeah, that's the only thing they know, <laughs> yes. right? Right, you have to transition them, of course. Yes, yes, but yeah. but they're one they're wonderful dogs, and they really they really deserve a chance. And yeah, and uh, we get a lot of purebreds from there. And the same with New Mexico, we get we just get a lot of different breeds, and we feel that we can really make a difference here or there. And with the owner surrenders, the same thing. You know, um, people just get a dog and then they can take care of it or they go into a nursing home or whatever the case may be. And we like to really prevent the poor little dog from going to the county pound in the first place. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's all really, really interesting. So one of the questions when you talk about that um, is why, why are, why do you have so many owner surrenders? What's happening in the community, do you think, where you know, people get animals and then they have to turn them in? That is a really good question. And very recently I talked with um, a couple other rescue directors about it because our, in, our request for intake has gone up, I would say 30% in the last year. Wow. And I, I can't really tell you why, but I think Arizona is an extreme transient state. People move, people get job offers someplace else. And we hear this, oh, I'm moving, but I can't take my dog. Where in reality, yeah, you're moving, but you're too lazy to look for an apartment that will take you with your dog. And it's all about convenience. It seems anymore the mindset is, oh, hmm, sorry, you don't fit into my lifestyle anymore. And the dog gets dumped. There is no more 
commitment, no more connection. It's sad, or, or when a new baby comes in the house, or, or the girlfriend doesn't like the dogs. I mean, we, we hear it all, and it's, it's sad, because if you think about it, at the county pound, there's 200 excuses sitting there waiting to be, you know, saved. Yeah, yeah uh, that's, wow. I mean, 30%, that's quite the increase. It and, is. Uh, and to really not be able to identify that, that has to be a little bit frustrating. You know, we 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 try. We and I just talked with this uh, with somebody the other day when I first got into this in 2004. I thought I'm gonna rescue a dog, the dogs for a couple of years, and I'm gonna clean this all up. And pretty soon, there will be no need for this anymore. I never thought that I would be doing this for 14, 15 years. Yeah. You know, and and for the problem to get so so out of hand. And um, the latest here in the valley is that people leave their dogs at dog parks. What? And they just take them to the dog park mm -hmm. and... And then they leave them. them. Mm -hmm. And then we get a call either from the police department or from a concerned um, person said, hey, I'm the last one to leave the dog park and there's a little dog. Oh. And um, it, it is... It, it's really really sad and i yeah. i wish i wish i would know where exactly the problem is mm -hmm. because then we could do something about it i've a couple of us have talked to um apartment complexes to lower maybe the um the deposits or to you know the monthly pet fee that can be quite steep in some of the complexes you know sure so a few of us are always on that, but um, you know you can't you can't teach compassion to people, you know. Yeah, well, that's a pretty interesting um, that's a pretty interesting idea to reach out to complexes and and try to to fix it from that angle. Mm -hmm. uh, I've never heard that before, but I can certainly understand where the financial responsibility is a bit much for people, right? So yeah. And, you know, that's the first thing that we also do when I get somebody on the phone that wants to surrender their dog. Some, sometimes you can really tell that it's hard for them. And if they would have a different way out, they would do it. And these people we really talk to, we try to offer help. You know, is a training that you need? Is your dog out of, out of line? You know, what is it? We try to find out what the real reason is behind the surrendering. And if we can, our goal is to keep the dog in with the owner. Yeah, and do you find that people take you up on, on those opportunities? Um, I would say out of 10 people calling, maybe one will. Okay. okay. And, uh, you know, these are usually the people where the dog has just either gotten himself into trouble or there's medical issues or something that they can't yeah. afford. and. You know, we help, we help in cases like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty, I mean, that's pretty interesting. Uh, and I think some of that is, like you said, definitely unique to your area mm -hmm. and, and unique to Arizona, right? Uh, right. It, it really is. One thing about Arizona is we have a huge overpopulation with chihuahuas and a huge overpopulation with pit bulls. You have to um, remember that we're very, very close to the border. We have a lot of illegal pit bull fighting rings here in the valley. Um, and pit bulls have huge litters. When they have litters, it's usually 8 to 12 puppies. Wow. 
So if they're not spayed or neutered, yeah, absolutely. and that's a little bit of a cultural thing with with um, with our Hispanic population that you cannot even discuss that. It's just a real cultural thing. They just hmm. will not will not do it. Um, and we, the county tries really hard. You know, there are, there are spay, spay and neuter vouchers. We have a lot of spay and neuter low-cost clinics. But, you know, people yeah. just, don't, just don't do it. And as you know, a dog, if they're out in the yard, they'll jump, they jump fences to get over yeah. to, a, to a female in heat. There yeah. you have it, you know. Yep, of course. But uh, it's it's we try to all of us in rescue. We try to fight it from 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 that end. Sure. So, do you guys partner with um, local clinics then for your um, spay and neuter clinics? Yes, we Lucky Dog Rescue is very unique because we've been around so long and and have a really good reputation in the valley. I have a vet that I use that gives us 40 to 50% off on all services, which really, really helps because we spend $194,000 on vet bills last year. Wow. Mm -hmm. Does all of that come through fundraising? Yes. Yes. It's it's all we have. We get no uh, government help, of course. This is all publicly funded fundraisers, uh, donation drives. The adoption fee covers a fraction of what we put into our dogs. Adoption fee is $300 to $350, and we spend an average of eight to $900 on a, on a dog, depending wow. on what they have. Our last, we, we took in a little chihuahua that had been hit by a car. He cost us almost $4,000, our little our little golden boy, we call him, but he's <laughs> he is so worth it. He had a he had a shattered um, uh, femur bone, and he needed to have a custom made metal plate put in his leg. So there you have it. Yeah, yeah, it definitely adds up fast. It um, does, you know, especially with your owner surrenders, like you were mentioning. That's part of the reason why they're right, why they're surrendering them in the first place is because there's medical expenses that they just they can't afford. Right. Um, and so then you guys have to incur that cost. And the only way to do that is through through fundraising and donations. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, for your for the fundraising, talk to me about the events that you guys put on. Do you partner with local organizations? How does how does your fundraising work? How can people get involved and help you? Well, fundraisers, we have two really big ones that we do. I mean, we do about six fundraisers a year, but our really big ones are Rockabilly for the Dogs, which is in February. Okay. That is an event because I'm in the music business. Um, we have Rockabilly bands play. Um, we have car shows, pinups, raffles, auctions, and people come and listen to music. They have to pay a cover, of course. We sure. have dogs on hand, nice classic cars to look up pinup girls to pose with sure. and that is a huge huge event that usually draws several hundred people and then in the fall we do pizza for pooches with Grimaldi's is a pizzeria in downtown Scottsdale and they graciously host us for us every year we serve uh, pizza all you can eat pizza all you can eat salads and we collect a cover charge 
and we have raffle prizes and all the proceeds go directly to Lucky Dog Rescue. That's, those are two pretty unique fundraising events. And how long have you been doing each of those for? Uh, the Rocket Billy event for 11 years and the, the pizza event, this will be our 10th annual one. Wow, so long standing. Well, you know, it's a, it's pretty attractive for people to have us too. We have a, um, we have a beer garden type place here in Scottsdale and, uh, Sundays is a pretty slow day for them, I would say. And we've had events there where we say, all right, we'll come in with our group and then we work out maybe 10 or 20% of everything that they take in that day on certain foods. And then we bring our dogs and we invite people to come. And it's a really great event because our volunteers like it because they can mingle, they can eat something, drink something. Yeah. And past adopters come with their dogs. And, uh, and those are really, really nice event and events. And it gets us really out in the community too. And people know who we are and it helps the business to put them on the map a little bit as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think those community relationships are, are extremely important. Mm -hmm. And you said on Sundays, do you, is that an every Sunday thing? Or... No, just whenever, you know, you have to remember that in here in the, in the metro area that we are totally unable to do anything outside from May to end of September because of the heat. Okay. So we do almost all our events between... October 1st to about the end of April. Okay. Because it is just too hot. Sure. You know, and any indoor events, of course, we can't bring the dogs. So it's not, yeah. it's, it's not all okay. that much fun. So October to April are the big fundraising mm -hmm. events for you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and it's, it's a lot of fun. And we always try to, we have a fundraising committee, a couple of our volunteers, and we always try to come up with new things, new ideas. That's the big thing that has changed in fundraising over the years. People, they want something for their, for their money, you know? Sure. It is really interesting. People like to be entertained and people, people want to get something good in return. They want to have a good time. They love yeah. to support the rescue, but they also would like to be entertained. Yeah. Well, it sounds like the, the two events that you have, uh, the long-standing events, the Pizza for Pooches and, and the Rockabilly, those are those are big, big pieces. And it sounds like the community really rallies around you guys. So. They, they do, and we get really good press coverage. And usually we have one of the TV stations come out, which always helps. We also have a really good relationship with the local TV stations, and we're on there fairly often. Okay. Which is interesting. Whenever I'm on TV with, or one of our volunteers is on TV, Usually, you know, we always think, oh, somebody's going to call and say, oh, you guys are so wonderful here. I give you $10,000. <laughs> you know what the reality of it is? We get for a week after we air on TV, we get a, a, an increase of, I need to surrender my dog to you. Oh, no. Well, <laughs> they must see time. that you're doing wonderful right. things. And, mm -hmm. you know, nobody really wants to give up their, their pet, right? And right. So, you know, they're, they're trying to find the best possible option. And, and, you know, with all the support you get from the community, they must think, you know, very highly of you in order to, you know, in order for them to reach out and, and want to surrender their dog yes. to you. So I, that's a good news, bad news, right? Yes, that's, that's how I look at it too. Yeah. You know, um, there has to be a lot of trust in us when 
people surrender their their dog to us yeah know? absolutely and um, we've won best of scottsdale for four years in a row we have that we're very proud of that we have that on our on our website yeah so yeah. tell me a little bit about that because i saw that you had it four years in a row mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well uh, the best of scottsdale is an is an independent um company that just they go they do i guess research they ask people they check they check better business bureau they they check they just check everything out you know um see how you're doing how 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 people respond to you if people know you and uh we had the great honor to have that awarded now for four years in a row yeah that's uh i saw that it's definitely front and center on your website and so i know that's something that you guys are extremely proud of and and what a what a great way to be recognized by the community. So that's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, of course. So we kind of talked a little bit about volunteers and and how most of your animals are in most if not all are in foster homes. Mm -hmm. And so how can are you looking for more foster home volunteers? How can people get involved uh, and help you guys out? Yes, we're always always looking for for new foster homes. The more foster homes we have, basically the more dogs we can save because I'm, if I'm very full and all foster homes are full, I can't take in any dogs. We do have boarding facilities that we work with. Sometimes dogs come at us so fast that we know that we can help. Maybe not right now, but in a week, a foster home frees up. So uh, we put the dog in boarding, which of course comes with its own expense. But sure. while we have a dog in foster, we make sure that we cover every expense this dog has. We supply the foster with dog bowls, with dog beds, any vet bills, any food, anything monetary that your foster dog will need is covered by us, which is, which is great. Yeah. If the dog needs training, we send the trainer out. Um, if you need training on how to train your dog, we'll help you with that. And that's another thing that also makes us very, very different from other rescues. We have a trainer that works with us that, that helps the fosters train their dog or teach them basic training. If we have a little problem child on our hand, that dog doesn't even get cleared for adoption until, they're, until they are trained. And yeah, that's definitely, that's definitely a very unique piece to what you guys do as well. I also saw on your website, everything you do is start to finish. Right. Um, oh yeah. Including, including the follow through, mm -hmm. you know, after they've been adopted and they're with their new home. And so I know it doesn't stop, you know, once the adoption papers are signed. So right. I thought that was pretty unique as well. Because we want to make sure the dog stays in the home. It's very disruptive for the dog. You know, I mean, the dog never knows that they're in a foster home in the first place. That's a memo they don't get. So when they go into a new home, we want to make sure it is a good fit, not only for the family, but for the dog as well. And if little problems do come up, then we would send a trainer out. We are committed to continuous training. People can reach me if they have any questions. I mean, I know anything about dogs that you ever want to know. I can, sure. I could, I could talk probably for a week straight about dogs. Um, <laughs> I'm also a certified um, CPR instructor. So okay. a lot of our volunteers have taken our My First Aid class and my uh, pet CPR class. So that's another thing. Our dogs are really, our fosters are engaged in helping and, and it's a big, it's a big community, big team effort. We have a lot of really great volunteers and everybody has their little, little job. 
We have a volunteer that sends out thank you notes for all the donations, which is a big job. We have a volunteer that looks over applications. We have a volunteer that that uh, follows up on adoptions. It's it's all really fun, and I think volunteering is so great. I'm a volunteer, you know. None of us yeah. take any money. It's just, this is completely a volunteer-based organization, although it, it's a full-time job basically. But you yeah, can you can get as little or as much involved as you want. Okay. You know. And so if somebody was interested in either fostering or helping with a different aspect of the organization, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you guys? They can email us at, uh, well, we have a couple of emails that are really easy. One is info at luckydogrescue.org. And the other one is fosters at luckydogrescue.org. Okay, that's great. So again, info at luckydogrescue.org. Mm -hmm and fosters with an s right f-o-s-t-e-r-s at luckydogrescue.org mm -hmm. that's great so d i know you've been in animal rescue for quite some time so i i have to ask do you have a favorite story or a special animal that has kind of stolen your heart over the years that you just they just left an impression on you yes absolutely and this is such a great story um over the summer i was contacted by the rescue in Deming, New Mexico, they sent me a photo over my text and it was of this beautiful, beautiful, large breed dog. Mm, he looked like a golden mix, maybe with a border collie. And he had the saddest eyes and his left paw was caught in a steel trap. Oh my. So a steel trap is used for coyote mountain lion hunting. So when they snap down, I mean, it's, it's excruciatingly painful. Yeah. So he was found by hunters and he was brought to animal care and control in Deming, New Mexico. And uh, they're not equipped to handle anything like that. So they removed the trap. And of course, when you can't get care, a wound like that can get infected really quickly. So I got involved and within probably four hours, we had a transport set up that we got him to come over to us. And uh, Deming, New Mexico is about a six hour drive from us. So we coordinated with three drivers. Everybody just go a little bit until he was over in the valley. And our wonderful vet, Dr. Darren Wright of Kaibab Animal Hospital, he looked at it and said, you know what, we're gonna try to save that paw. Now, if, if you imagine looking at your hand being the dog part, the, the, the tray, trap had got had cut shut down right in the center by where your baby finger and your ring finger would be Ooh. so he was gonna lose all that but what my brilliant vet did he did an operation he removed he removed the the, the broken uh digits then he did a skin graft and this dog ended up having six different operations, but the end result was his leg and his paw was saved. And if you would know this, if you could see this dog, he is the most, the funniest, gentlest dog. He's a young dog. He's only two or three years old. He's in foster home right around the corner from me, from a girl, from a lady that I know who used to run the um, Labrador rescue. Okay. And, uh, 
or the golden rescue rather and she is just in love with him and uh, we posted about him on our website and we had people so eagerly following us what he was doing and <laughs> and how he was and and the cute thing is because his paw you know the pads on the paw were affected too and he grew some skin back but he has a custom-made little boot that he wears when he walks on the asphalt when he goes on walks now and it okay. is the cutest thing he has this little boot on and and the adopter posted a picture the other day on on facebook where she wanted to leash him up and didn't think and he just sat there and sat there and then she realized she hadn't put on his boots yet so he's gotten oh so used to it yeah and you know it's rescue is very 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 hard it, it really is something you deal with a lot of heartache you deal with a lot of images that you can never get out of your head and all of us sometimes feel like i can't do it anymore and whenever you feel like that all you have to think about is the success stories and that Callan, that that's the dog if i hadn't saved him he would be dead and he is a dog that he is so special he is so friendly and sweet and goofy and funny and i'm so grateful every day that that i saved him yeah there are definitely there are definitely some dogs that you just can't ignore right mm -hmm. it's the look in their eyes mm -hmm. it's it's how they react to you and when they come to you in in such a sad and so you know from such a sad scenario you know to see them turn around and, and not give up and and to find their person right there's something to be said about that it, like you said for for your rescue story those are the ones that you have to hold on to it really is an incredible feeling and especially when we do take dogs out of the county pound or out of a really bad situation and i put them in my truck and i take every dog's little face and i always say i will make sure that nothing will ever happen to you yeah and I can only tell you that I think that dogs can really, they feel that even though they don't understand it, I think that they can sense the purity of, of your thoughts yeah. and they relax immediately. Yeah. You know, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. They, they do. And I, I have a little foster right now. She, her name is Pokey. She was a completely feral dog that had to be trapped because she wouldn't come to anybody. And for the first three weeks in our house, she, she was like a ghost. She would see us, she would run. And you know, and one day I came home from work and she stood there and she wagged her tail at me. And I was so happy because she finally realized that nothing's going to happen to her here and that she's home and she's happy. And yeah. Yeah. Those are, those are definitely the moments, um, you know, that, that we do rescue for, right? Exactly. So I definitely appreciate you sharing that story. Um, it's definitely heartwarming, right, to hear those those positive things. So, well, Dee, mm -hmm. I very much appreciate the time that you took today um, to talk to us about your organization, Lucky Dog Rescue, and uh, you guys are doing great things down there, and, and we hope wonderful things for you in the future. Yes, well, I appreciate the opportunity to tell you about Lucky Dog Rescue. Yes, absolutely. So, thanks so much for having me on. Thanks for tuning in to today's podcast. If you're not already a member, join the ARPA to take advantage of all the resources we have to offer. 
And don't forget to sign up with dobert.com. It's free and helps automate the most difficult tasks in animal rescue.